Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. We have the, the honor and the privilege of, uh, of welcoming back family today. And, uh, and Pastor Don was on staff here for a number of years, and, and, and three years ago, almost three years ago, uh, resigned his position here, went back home to Illinois, and is on staff at his home church there doing incredible things, touching people and ministering in that community. And, uh, and he came back to help us with all access this week, and I said, since you're back, you need to preach on Sunday. And so, church, would you do me a favor, put your hands together and welcome my friend, Pastor Don Castleberry this morning. Hey, statistics tell you that when you go to your grave, if you have three close friends in your life, you're blessed. Think about that. And I don't consider uh, Pastor John a friend. I consider him a brother. You are extremely blessed, church, with the couple you have leading you. And so it is my honor to be able to come home. And stand before you. And I love him even more when he trashes the Cowboys. That's <laughs> ah, great. My son's a Cowboys fan. I tell him it's not a logo. I'm like, it's a rating on the side of their helmet, one star. <laughs> so, so good to be home. By the way, go Big Red. <laughs> People's like, man, you moved to Illinois and got saved. You're not an Ohio State fan no more. False. But you play Michigan next week. So go Big Red. <laughs> hey, um, it is an honor, like I said, to come today and present the word this morning. And I, I, I was watching online, Pastor John, he was talking about re-engage and what does that mean. And whenever he asked me to speak today, he did something he's never asked me to do in the entire time that I've ever spoke, including when I was on staff here. When I was on staff, he would just say, uh, pray to the Lord and just speak whatever is on your heart. And this time he said, we're in a series and I'd like you to kind of stay in this series. And we started talking and he's mentioned the scripture and I just started to laugh because the scripture that he mentioned to me is what I've been teaching our church for the last four weeks. And we're teaching a class on Tuesday nights called On Guard. And it goes exactly parallel with what you guys have been learning here. And so I was like, my sermon is written. I was like, this is fantastic. But no, I adjusted some things. But again, I want to say uh, thank you to Pastor John and Angel uh, for the invite this week and loving our family the way that you have. Thank you to the staff here. You guys have an incredible staff here who have served us very well this weekend. And uh, they are family. We come home and we just start heckling each other. And it's, it's great. It's a great time. So look at your neighbor this morning and say this to start out with, God is more concerned about your freedom than he is your comfort. Now look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, God is more concerned about your freedom than your comfort. Lord, let us... Lord, uh, let us pray. Lord, we come before you and we ask today in the remaining time that we have left, you speak quickly through me. Uh, God, we ask that you do an incredible work today. And to silence Pastor John's mouth, please let the Chiefs win today. Amen. <laughs> 
So this morning we're going to dive right into this. In 1 Peter 5, 8, this is the scripture I want to bring to you this morning. I know your scripture you've been uh, learning was in Ephesians uh, 6, but this is a parallel scripture, I believe, and I believe we have this on a slide. I want to teach you something really quick out of this scripture passage this morning. It says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How many of you know you got an enemy this morning? And if you are not aware that you have an enemy this morning, he will destroy you, your life, and everything that follows. He's not playing this morning. He means business. But you don't have to live in fear of him. That's the great thing. That's what we're going to learn today. To re-engage means to participate again. And in this series, you've been talking about getting back into the fight. After reading this uh, definition and understanding the series that you're in, I, I was wondering how I would start today. So I went to the great uh, theologian as I looked through my library. And the great theologian Mike Tyson says this. Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. See, I understand fighting. I grew up as a kid fighting for my life, literally. Zeke, stand up. I was as skinny as this kid and about three foot shorter. You're good. So I understand what it means to fight. We were very poor. We, we literally, I was picked on often in school. And so I would train myself at my Nintendo Entertainment System with Mike Tyson's punch out beating Butterbean. Come on, somebody. But I do, I remember in first grade, there was this kid named Cody Lavelle. And uh, every day at lunch on the playground, I dreaded going to lunch because he would beat the tar out of me. He was much, much bigger than me. And one day I just had enough and I walked up and I punched this kid in the nose. And uh, he never hit me again. And I was like, what just happened? And then I remember in the third grade, there was a kid named Connell Rogers. And he would beat the fire out of me every day. And to the fact, I would come home and I would be beat up. And when my dad would see me, he'd say, what happened to you? And I'd be like, nothing, nothing, because I was so ashamed to tell my dad, man, this kid's leveling me at school every day. And my twin sister, she loved me so much, she told my dad everything that was going on. And uh, so my dad, how he fixed the problem was he took me to this kid's house, dropped me off in the front yard and knocked on the door, called the kid outside. He said, you're not allowed to leave until you fight this kid. That's how I grew up. And can I tell you, I, I got good at scrapping. I could fight. And then we, when I got to the eighth grade, my mom and dad thought it would be a great idea to send me to a Christian school. And we were not Christians. I remember going in the very first day with my Ghostbuster Slimer shirt on, getting called to the office. They said, you got to turn your shirt inside out. I was like, Slimer's awesome. They was like, he's not allowed in a Christian school. And then came this kid. It was about third or fourth hour. And he said a yo mama joke. And where I was from, you didn't talk about my mama. And I didn't know that was a joke. And so what, what Kenneth Lamasters learned that day was I had just got done watching Young Guns. And so he was at the urinal in the bathroom, and I walked up behind him, and I was like, I'm going to make you famous. 
And I was scrapping this kid in the bathroom, and my sister, she loved me enough. She had heard what was going on and ran and got the principal. And we could not afford the gear to train to learn how to fight. And so I remember as I got into high school, uh, I wanted to bulk up because I looked like my son. <laughs> so I got two center blocks, and I stood them uh, long ways, and I put a board across there, and that was my workout bench. And I got a big metal bar and some spare tires, and I was cranking iron to Def Leppard, let's get rocked. <laughs> Why Jaylee Butler and her friends was watching through the garage. But then came my freshman year. And there was a kid named James Brumfield, and he walked by every day, and he would throw my books in the trash. And one day I'd had enough, and I jumped up, and shop class meant something totally different that day. <laughs> then I graduated high school, and I thought, man, I'm finally finished fighting, and I ran into the greatest movie ever recorded of all time, Nacho Libre. And I graduated Bible college. I, I emphasize Bible college. And uh, we were home visiting my folks. And it was my very first time back. They were having a, a big celebration. They had a banner in their house, on the front of their house, welcome home from Bible college. And my twin sister, her fiance was at the house. It was the first time I had ever met him. And I saw him grab my dad's shirt from two rooms away. And I ran into the kitchen, and I grabbed this dude, and I pulled him into the front yard, and I'm welling on this dude. And they call the cops, and he shows up, and he's like, wait a minute, Bible college? And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I love a good fight. And then came in 2005, I would have to fight for my health to stay alive. I understand fighting. And I understand you are toast in fighting if you disengage or you get distracted. Yeah. I learned this from some of the greatest influences of my life, WWE wrestling. <laughs> See, one thing I learned from WWE wrestling was they were so confident. I was like, why are these guys so confident? They were confident because they realized it was a fixed fight. That's what I want to talk to you about today. You, my friend, are in a fixed fight. You've already won. You've just got to stand up to the enemy. See what I learned about Cody Lavelle and Connell Rogers and James Brumfield and Kenneth Lamasters is if I just stood up to them once, they would realize I meant business. See, the enemy, you have to come to him again and again. You have to let him know you mean business because he does. So we go back to our scripture, 1 Peter 5.8. I want to break this down really quick, and then I want to give you a few simple principles that if you apply them daily in your life, they will not only benefit you, but they will drive the enemy away from you. So 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober. That's a powerful word. Sober means this, don't act like a silly drunk. Because when you're drunk, you say things you wouldn't normally say. You do things you wouldn't normally do. So Peter says, be sober. Then he says, be vigilant. That word vigilant means to be on extremely high alert. It's what our nation felt after 9-11. He says, for your adversary, 
That word adversary means a prosecuting attorney. What the devil knows is this is a book of law and he must always submit to the book of law. And so if you learn this, you have him whipped. He doesn't care if you come to church if you never read your Bible. He doesn't care if you come to church and you read your Bible if you never apply your Bible. This is how you beat your enemy. Your adversary. And then he tells you who it is. Your adversary, the devil. That word devil in the Greek is the word diablos. It's, it comes from two words, dia and balos. Dia means to penetrate. Balos carried the terminology uh, the Greeks would understand of a ball or a rock being bounced over and over again on the exact same spot. Because that's how the enemy wears you down. That's how he works you out. He hits you in the same place again and again. So when you hear someone say, man, it, it seems like when it rains, it pours. It does. Because that's the enemy. And he's going to keep doing this to you until you tell him that's enough. The devil walks about like, that means he's a poser. It's not who he really is. Like a roaring lion seeking home not seeking everybody. He understands he can't destroy everybody because if you know your Bible and you put him in his place, you're not a whom. But you're a whom if you don't walk in the word and the word doesn't walk in you. Whom he may devour. This word devour is an interesting word because when you read this, it would carry the connotation that you would think it was like a lion that's eating the, the meat off of an, a carcass that it had uh, killed. And it, that's actually way deeper than that. It's the word catapino. It, it breaks down into the word pino. And what that means is to slurp up the juice. Right. Ooh. What that means is this. The enemy's not content just eating you and eating your lunch. He wants to slurp you up. He wants to completely annihilate and destroy you. And then he wants everyone around to watch the fact that he's humiliating you. He means business. But good gospel news, good gospel news, that's not the only scripture we find in your Bible. We find in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I have come to give you life more abundantly. So seven things really quick that you need to put in your life daily to destroy the enemy. And when we, we learn these, remember, God is more interested in your freedom than he is your comfort. Number one, every day, these are good things to take notes on. If you're not taking notes, take notes. It's pretty good. If nothing else, take pictures. Take pictures of the screen. Every day, spend time with God in the morning. Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm not a morning person. Then be a slave. If it means enough to you to be free, you'll change it. Well, you don't understand I work midnights. Okay, well, your morning might be a different time of day, right? The principle of this is when you first wake up and open your eyes, the first thing you should do before you have your coffee, right, before you do anything, you should spend some time with the Lord. You should acknowledge, God, thank you for waking me up. God, I value that I have been given another day, that you've entrusted me with another day. Every day, Spend time in the morning 
with God. Let's, let's look at what Psalm 5.3 says. I love this. It says, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, he, he talks twice there. I will direct it up to you. And I love this last line. And I will look up. See, when you spend time with God first thing in the morning, what you're doing is you're looking up because everything in your day is going to try to get you to look down. Yeah. Just turn on the news. Just listen to your coworker. Look down, look down, look down. So you have to start your day looking up. You're like me on that wooden bench with Def Leppard pumping iron. You're looking up. Look up. Look up. If you don't look up, you will always be pulled down. So before your head ever even lifts off of your pillow, you should look up, you should acknowledge God, you should praise God, you should pray to God about the day you're about to encounter, and then you should prepare to receive from God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. I love the way the passion says it, Vince. Just kidding you. Pray without pause, it says. Pray without pause. I love that. Without a pause. What does that mean? That means that you walk around and, and you're, you're so holy that you, oh, thou hast God, I come before you. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying walk in relationship with him constantly, that you acknowledge that he's there. You see what he's doing. Number two, I love this. Every day spend time feeding your spirit on others. Now let me break that down because that could sound really creepy. That means books, podcasts. That means studying other people's stuff. Why is that important? Is that even biblical? Yeah, it's biblical. 2 Timothy 4.13. Uh, this is when Paul's ending the end of his life. He's an old man. He's writing to Timothy, right, his son. And look at what he tells them. He says, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus and Troas when you come. And look what he just says. And the books, especially the parchments. What he's saying is, I know I'm old, but I'm not dead, and I can still learn something. We should always be studying other people. It helps you stay sharp and grow. Can I just say in this hour, it helps you have intelligent conversation. Right? Man, I just look at the time we live in and some of the stuff, crazy stuff I hear, and I'm like, where are we? Intelligent conversation. Reading is like the fertilizer to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. We must realize this. We don't know everything. That's what happens when you read, when you come together. It's iron sharpening iron. That's why sometimes I'll call Pastor John. I'm just like, hey, man. Where are you at? Like, he'll call me. He's like, talks to me, and it's, you get sharper. Yeah. Be a lifelong learner. Well, I don't like to read. Okay, I'm going to help you with something. There's this amazing thing. It's called Audible, right? They'll read to you. Yeah. It's amazing, right? 
In fact, my, my son's teacher told us this year, she said, hey, he doesn't even have to read the books if he doesn't want to. He can get audible. I'm like, what? Where was audible when I was in school? Well, Pastor Don, that cost $14 a month. You spend more than that on coffee or Netflix. Come on, preach, angel. You know what I love? I love this. I love when people say, I don't have the money for a good study Bible. And then I go into their house and they got a 72-inch plasma TV screen, high def. I'm like, no, your priorities are out of order. Stay a slave. What you feed on is what you become. So don't just be self-feeding on yourself, but rather get around people that challenge you. And can I just throw this out there? This is free this morning. Get around people that don't think like you. It's good for you. And don't come so opinionated that you don't listen to them. It doesn't mean they're intelligent always. But you can at least respectfully listen Maybe you'll have an opportunity to speak into their life, and maybe you'll learn something. Man, I remember when I was on staff here, one of the guys I collided with the most, and I don't even know if he's in here, was Andre. And I remember one staff, and this is when he first came on staff, and we were different as night and day. And Pastor John, we was at a retreat. Everybody else had gone to bed. I'll never forget this. This is probably one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in my life. And he said, you guys are always at each other because you're so different. But if you learn how to work together, it's going to be extremely powerful. You're robbing each other of your gifts. And I can tell you this, Andre became one of my very best friends as I grew on staff here. And every time I come back, I'm like, I always look for Andre because I'm like, man, I love that guy. Because yeah. I learned something from him. I had to open my mind to learn a different perspective than the way I thought. Yeah. And it happened at a retreat with a guy that just said, listen to each other. Learn something. So Andre, wherever you're at, I love you, man. Uh, but feed your soul on others. And I, I tell my kids this all the time. The readers are leaders. Shut off your TV. Well, I don't have time. You do have time. Listen, there's no difference between anybody that's sitting in a seat next to you. Everybody has 24 hours. Yeah. So what do you do with your time? Yeah. What do you do with that? I don't care if you can quote me 10 seasons of The Office if you can't quote Live 10 scriptures in the Bible. That's not getting you to heaven. That's not scaring the devil. The devil doesn't care who Dwight is. That's free. Number three, spend time in silence. This is a hard one, y'all. Spend time in silence. It's good for your soul. Let me give you the uh, Castleberry translation of this. Shut up. Stop talking. You know, sometimes we go to God and we're like, give me, 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 give me. I need you, I need you, I need you. And God's just like, would you stop? Would you just listen? Spend time in silence. In Psalm 46, verse 10, it says this, and you should underline this in your Bible. Be still and know that I am God. You will never know that he is God until you're still. What's it mean in the Greek? It means be still. It's deep. Please <laughs> quit talking. Be still and know that I am God. 
It's hard to hear God's, uh, God's voice whenever there's chaos and noise all around you. It's hard to hear his voice if you never stop talking. A great question for you today is, would you want to follow you where you're going in life? See, much activity with no pause makes us dull and confused. And the devil will always keep you going and going and going and going and never shut off. He'll turn you into the energizer bunny, but you're not growing. All you're doing is going. How do I be still? I'm glad you asked. You get up when other people are sleeping. What? Jesus did that. They found Jesus often on the mountaintop. What was he doing? He was stilling himself before the Father. And listen, this is a powerful principle if you get this. If you recognize this in your Bible, Jesus never prays for anyone publicly because he learned how to be still privately. And so whenever publicly he would encounter somebody that was demon-possessed, he would just speak to that and he'd say, get out of him. When someone was sick, he didn't have to... He didn't have to pray and pray and pray. He spoke to the sickness. Being still in private creates power in public. You have no power if you're not still before the Lord. Number four, every day spend time with those that strengthen your soul. Now, I would ask you this morning if you know any leeches, but I don't want people looking around, right? You know there's people, man. You see them coming and you're like, Lord, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I know people like that, right? You see them come in the door and you're like, not today. <laughs> and if you don't know that person, you're probably that person. Spend time with those that strengthen your soul, your mind, your will, your emotion. In Psalm 1, it says this, blessed is the man who's, who walks not in the council. That's a group of people of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. Get around people, man, that sharpen you. And sharpen often comes from stretching comes from you getting around people who speak and breathe life into you. That's why I always try to stay in relationship with Pastor John is because he's life-breathing. He breathes life, and I hope I can do that in return. Can I tell you this? What you make excuses for in your life, you'll never change. Excuses don't lead to transformation. Who are you accountable to? I mean, like, really transparently accountable to. Like, who knows your stuff? I like to say it like this. David, he had sinned, and there was a prophet in his life. And, and I would share this often in life groups, and Vince, do not edit this either, please. Uh, but I would say this in life groups all the time. David had a prophet named Nathan who came, and David was living in sin. And the prophet Nathan looks at him, and he points his finger at him. He says, you're the man. And so any, anybody I'm mentoring, I tell them this. Who do you have in your life that can give you the finger, can put their finger on you and say, what you're doing is wrong? 
Well, I don't want to be told that. Stay a slave. Because listen, everybody, everybody needs somebody that can say you're wrong. Everybody needs that. My wife tells me that all the time. It's a good wife. She's like, you're being an idiot right now. I'm like, you're right, I am. We all need those people in our lives. So every day, spend time with people that strengthen your soul. Hebrews 10.25 says this, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And I know there's people you're watching online this morning, but can I tell you, there's something about when we come together. There's something that is missing when your seat is empty. What's missing is your gift. Your, what's missing is what you bring to the church. God says this. He doesn't just say, don't, fors- uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He says, even more so as you say, see the day of the Lord approaching. And if you don't think we're close to that, read your Bible and watch the news. Jesus is about to wrap this thing up. And I've asked for some Air Jordans, and I believe I can fly as I exit this place. (laughs) Number five, every day say no to the things. This is a powerful principle, too, to the things that you're not supposed to do. Everything you're doing, you're probably not supposed to do. Good things are not God things. What has he called you to do? Here, I'm going to give you a statistic. I learned this from Rick Renner. He says this. 85% of what you do, someone else can do. 10% of what you do, someone else can be trained to do. Only 5% of what you do is the gift that God's given and called you to do. How much time do you spend on the 5%? One of Satan's greatest weapons is time mismanagement. Well, the devil's attacking me. No, you don't know how to manage your time. My health is awful and the devil's in my health. No, you won't stay away from McDonald's. That's not the devil's fault. You have to learn to manage your time. And if you don't know how to do that, put somebody that's accountable in your life that can help you in that area. I speak from experience. Because here's the reality. You're you're always going to find time for what's important to you. I love this. James 3.16 says this. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and evil are always there. What happens when we mismanage time is it's about self. It's self-preservation. Can I tell you that brings confusion? That word confusion is an incredible word if you study it out in the original language. It means a prickly plant or a what we would call a cocklebur. So th- let me give you an illustration of what happens when you're always busy doing the wrong things. It's like when you go hunting. Pastor John, you'll relate to this. When you go hunting and you walk through bushes and you get to your place and you have cockleburs all over your pants and you're trying to get each one of them out because they poke and they stick. That's what the devil does. He gets you busy and, and before you know it, you're covered in stuff and you're like, how did I get here because you didn't manage the time that God gave you wisely y'all we got one shot at this 
You don't get to the end of the life and God's like, Pasco, you get $200, you get to go again. Doesn't work that way. Number six, I'm super passionate about this one. Pray every day to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. It's not an option. In fact, Jesus, he raises up 12 disciples and before he releases those disciples to do ministry, I think it's because he knew Peter was part of the group. He was like, y'all don't do anything and he probably looked at Peter and he was like, anything until you go to the upper room and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you do it in your flesh, you're going to mess it up. I cannot tell you the number of churches that I've been to in 20 years of ministry that are pretty but have no power. They have systems. They have things rolling. But there's no power. Can I tell you, this is pointless without power. It's about the Holy Spirit. And can, can I throw this out too? Don't be a freak. You've met serial Christians, the, the fruits, the nuts, and the flakes, right? Like, God's got some weird kids, man. Right? I told my son this the other day. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, we was at Walmart. I was like, look around. It's like the lady in pajama pants and Crocs in Walmart doing her thing. Weird. My wife's like, that's not weird. I'm, I'm teasing. But really, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was studying a couple weeks ago, and the Lord, he spoke to me, and he said, you have a, a crack in your vessel. And I was like, he, he began with, he's been showing me the power of vessels. And he said, you have a crack in the side of your vessel. He said, do you understand the danger of a crack? He said, it lets the enemy in, but it lets my anointing drip out. And then he said, you want me to heal that today? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Can I tell you, it was painful. What he showed me was about me. And I was like, man, I got to deal with this. Because if I don't deal with this, I'm going to seep out the anointing that he wants me to give to others. And can I tell you, some of you today, it's your fault, and some of you, it's not your fault. Some of you, life has just cracked you. And God wants to heal you today. And he wants to fill you today. And, and I love, I love, love this verse, Ephesians 5.18. It says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means this. It means to be crammed so tightly that literally they would put their foot on top of something and they would push it down to get more in. That's how full of the Holy Spirit you should be. And it's not weird. It's just being in love with Jesus. I shared this in all access, but I learned something a couple weeks ago. Fuel is the intimacy. Uh, fuel, the intimacy of fuel. Just a second, rewind. I speak for a living. Fuel is the intimacy to covenant. Think about that. So when you're not intimate, you have no fuel. When you have no fuel, your covenant goes dry. This is what happens in marriages. When there's no intimacy, there's no fuel. When there's no fuel, all this is is a covenant. It's a document. This is what happens with kids, relationships with kids, parents and kids, and it breaks up. You, you ever heard rules without relationship breeds rebellion? 
What that is, no intimacy, no fuel, just a covenant or just your kid. But if you want their heart, you have to have the intimacy. It works the same way with the father. If this is dry, it's because there's no fuel in the tank. And there's no fuel because you're not asking the Lord daily, fill me up. Pastor Don, how do I do that? Number seven, I'm glad you asked. Worship team, could you come play something holy? Make me sound spiritual. <laughs> Renee, wherever you're at. Number seven, every day practice the presence of God. This is key. This is the essential one. Because this is you being willing to do something in private that nobody sees. This is the roots that's beneath the ground that holds the tree. What does all of this have to do with spiritual warfare? Everything. Because if you put these things in place, can I tell you, the enemy will be fighting you on your home field, not you always going to his. And you will always have the upper hand. You'll always have the advantage. What does it mean to practice his presence every day? That means look for opportunities and ask God to empty you out and then do it. Quit asking him to fill you up if you're not giving anything out. Quit asking God, fill me up if you're not willing to serve at church. That's free. John didn't pay me to say this. This is just facts, right? We, I pastor in Illinois too. I have these same conversations. We're like, God, come into my life and do something incredible. And he goes, I'm not building my kingdom around you. If you want to come participate in what I'm doing, I have lots of opportunities. Ask him to use you and then get busy doing it. Listen, that might not mean you have to serve every week, but could you give once a month? That might not mean, uh, you know, I know here, I'm looking around the room, guys I have relationships with. I know Jeff's sitting back here. I know his gift with finances, right? And so he takes that gift and he shares that gift with people to set them free. Share your gift. Take risk. When's the last time you really took a risk that Jesus had to bail you out of? And if he didn't bail you out, you look like a fool. Take risk. Man, that sounds really holy. <laughs> Lay hands on people in a good way. Pray for them. You know, it's, it's, it's so bogus whenever somebody comes and they're going through something and they tell you and you say, I'll pray for you. Pray for them. Right then, right there. In the store? Sure. Do you believe God could heal them? Pray for them. Man, I remember I was in Sam's Club one time back in Illinois, and I was fairly still growing in the, the Holy Spirit and what he was doing in my life, and I got to this Sam's Club, and the Lord's like, I was going in. He's like, you're going to encounter a lady today. She's battling cancer. I need you to pray for her. And so I'm walking around, and as I'm walking down an aisle, this lady's walking the other way, and I hear this lady from the other end of the aisle say her name, and she said, how's, uh, how's it going? And she said, good. And she said, I heard you started chemo yesterday. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's her. And so for like 20 minutes, I was like the 
freaky, creepy stalker guy who was just following her around with my cart and I was praying under my breath and I was like, I did it. And I got to the truck and the Lord's like, you didn't do it. You didn't do what I told you to do. Pray, pray for people. Be transparent, encourage, correct, love. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I love this one. Worship at home. This should not be your only worship experience. You know why so many people have a hard time connecting on Sunday? It's because it's the only time that they do it. So it's, it's weird to them. It doesn't feel right. I'm not throwing shade. I'm telling you, I know for a fact these are seven principles that if you apply them, you'll whip the devil's tail every day. I'm going to close with this. My son, he, growing up, he loved baseball. And he, he can't play anymore. But as he was growing up, he could play baseball. And uh, I didn't know anything about baseball. I grew up playing basketball. But I was like, I wanted to connect with my son. So I was like, I'm going to get into this thing. And so I got into baseball and I started coaching. I can't tell you how many little leagues I got fired from. <laughs> but over the years, I began to study and learn and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And as I did... Uh, they allowed me to start coaching, and so I became a coach on his team. And I would tell the boys this every single time they hit the field. Gentlemen, how you practice today is how you'll play tomorrow. And that's what I would tell you as a believer today. How you practice is how you play. If you want to show up in the game, you got to show up in practice. you got to do it when no one's watching, and then you'll have power in public. And then when you speak, you don't have to scream and yell. You can whisper, and there's power behind what you're saying, and the enemy moves. Would you stand and let me pray for you today? God, I thank you that you've allowed me to come home and speak to my family. And I pray today, God, they would spend time quiet before you, that they would hear your voice, that you would fill them with the, uh, your spirit, God, and you would commission them to go change the world. I pray that this city and this region would never look the same again because believers would stand and they would take their place. They would understand that the enemy is nothing more than a poser. I know he seeks like a, like a roaring lion and sometimes his roar sounds real. but your power is so, so, so much stronger. And as we spend time alone with you, your light illuminates who he is, and we realize he's nothing more than a shadow, and we can stop shadow boxing, but we can land effective hits on the enemy just by applying the simple things that you teach us to do. God, we release your people with power today to go and change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need extra prayer this morning, there's some prayer partners up here. They would love to pray with you. Let's amen. Do you appreciate that word? Can we put our hands together let Pastor Don know we appreciate him? And, and Annette, it's so good to have you guys back. Zeke, 
It's good to have you back too, cowboy fan and all. Hey, listen, I don't know, I don't know where you're at. I would encourage you, take this message, seven things. Start with one. Maybe as you listen to this, it's like, man, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. That's okay. Start with one. Maybe for you tomorrow, it's starting your day just being aware of his presence. Maybe it's finding somebody to keep you accountable. Maybe it's listening to a podcast on your way home today. Find some way. You're like, I didn't take notes. Download the Dream City Omaha app. It's all in there for you. You can go back and, and, and put things in as well. But like Pastor Don said, if you need prayer, you want somebody to agree with you, our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If not, be blessed, be dismissed. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.